Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, St. Louis Cardinals fans, to episode 2.0 of the Pitchers Hit 8th podcast. My name is Nick, obviously from PitchersHit8th.com, and I'm joined, as always, also obviously from PitchersHit8th.com, by my good friend Josh. Josh, how we doing? Uh, it's a wonderful uh, June day. Welcome to June there, Nick. Wonderful June day. You're giving away our, our, uh, our recording date. Uh-oh. Kind of. Kind of. At any rate, we're happy and ecstatic to uh, bring you another episode of the podcast as irregularly scheduled as possible. We will be joined on this show by Daniel Shoptaw of C70 at the Bat, a Cardinals blog that uh, many of you, I, I believe, know and love. Uh, Daniel's website is at cardinal70.com. Daniel is also the founder and, uh, and gosh, I don't know, Josh, what uh, his exact position is now. Would you call him a CEO of the UCB and BBA? Uh, or, or the president. or President. You know, whatever floats his boat. Founder and current czar. Of Grand Poobah. Grand Poobah, indeed. Of the United Cardinal Bloggers and the Baseball Bloggers Alliance. A couple of groups of, uh, of, of blogs that participate in events for the groups, etc. Daniel will be on later to tell us more all about it. Uh, we're going to talk about... Disabled list trips for Kyle McClellan, Matt Holliday, call-ups, Lance Lynn, and Mikel Clayto. Um, uh, we're also going to talk about the unlikely source that called the Clayto call-up. Of all people, uh, Chris Duncan. And Josh, you know, a blast from the past, that name. You know, I tell you what, uh, his new career choice is... Looks like it's going to work out just fine. Indeed. Uh, Lance Lynn, we said we're going to talk about him already. Uh, Chris Carpenter a little bit. I know that uh, we've had a couple of of discussions about him on the site, and and Josh, you and I have talked about him off-air also, just just about what's going on with him and, and continue to discuss what we think is going to happen with his contract. And, and then... Uh, we kind of opened the floor to Daniel a little bit and and had some chatter about the baby birds, the Cardinals to come in the future, Shelby Miller and Carlos Martinez, Zach Cox, and, and our projections, what we think we can expect from those guys. And then, of course, you can't do a show about the Cardinals, particularly at the time that we're recording, without discussing Ryan Franklin and, and his ups and downs. So we've got... A lot of show to get to you in a short amount of time, and we're really excited to do it. And Josh, what do you say we uh, what do you say we get Daniel on the horn right away? Uh, it sounds like a plan. I can't wait. We'll be right back with Daniel Shoptaw from C70 at the Bat. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. We're back, and we're joined currently by uh, Daniel Shoptaw from C70 at the Bat. That's cardinal70.com. No stranger to uh, 
to uh, chatting with Josh and us. Daniel, how are you? I'm doing great. It's always good to talk to you all. <laughs> we are uh, we're joined by uh, Daniel this evening, and, and Josh also happens to be joining us by mobile for this segment of the show. Um, so if we get any uh, rabid barking dogs or uh, or whatever the case may be in the background, that's why. Um, Daniel, let's get the uh, formalities out of the way. Obviously, you've been at uh, C70 at the Bat uh, writing your blog for some time now, uh, which uh, spawned you to form a couple of groups, outstanding groups, I, I, I think uh, could be considered a gold standard, if you will, when it comes to gathering groups of bloggers, the United Cardinal Bloggers and the Baseball Bloggers Alliance of which Pitchers Hit 8th is a member of both, proudly. What can you tell us about those groups and why you started them? Uh, well, we started with the UCB about, um, you know, it was the fall of, of 2007. Just, uh, I, I felt like I'd seen this kind of thing on the Internet before and really doing some research. I don't I don't think I've seen anything quite like it, but we got a chance to get Cardinal bloggers together and just, you know, interact with our blogs to kind of help drive traffic to each other's side, but more importantly, to get to know each other, uh, to get to talk about the issues of the day, to, to do various different projects. Um, you know, we try to do one roughly once a month, and we've gotten some some regular ones like our the Cardinal Blogger Awards that we give out at the end of the year, and uh, the top seven prospects that we um, stole from Derek Gould. So those kind of things, um, you know, we've been running that pretty well uh, for the last four years. And, and, you know, I think that's kind of developed some really good relationships where we've seen not only from the blogging side of things, but from the Twitter side of things as well, as we could spend all day um, debating the finer points of Cardinal fandom uh, on Twitter in 140 characters or less. Uh, and then coming out of that and, and from a different project that I did as part of my blog, I I thought I'd try to expand that over not just Cardinal bloggers, but kind of a, a nationwide thing. And so I started the, the Baseball Bloggers Alliance, and and it has grown much more than I probably expected. Uh, the initial uh, time I looked for blogs, it kind of didn't meet with a, a large response. But as, as time has gone on, we've grown up to, well, honestly, I don't even quite know what we're up to. We're probably around 290 or so now. Um, it's gotten to the point where I've gotten a membership secretary to, to check these blogs in, and so I don't necessarily keep the number right off the top of my head like I used to. But uh, 280, 290 blogs from across baseball, some really, really good blogs in there. Um, and so if you want to know, you know, if the Cardinals are, are facing, like I had it on my blog this week, uh, an exchange question and answer between a Giants blog uh, to start the series off, just things like that to be able to have contacts to – to find out, that, you know, find out, you know, when the trade's going down, what does the other side think, uh, and just to get to know people around baseball. So, the two groups have gone over much better than I expected, and, and hopefully they will be around for a long time to come. And correct me if I'm wrong, both of those groups have websites for themselves, right? We've got UnitedCardinalBloggers.com, and uh, BBA is at UnitedCardinalBloggers.com is is the website for the UCB, and. Um, uh, baseballbloggersalliance.wordpress.com is the official site of the BBA at the moment. Good stuff. Well, with the formalities out of the way, we brought you on to talk about the Cardinals, obviously. 
big news today. Kyle McClellan, Matt Holiday, both headed to the disabled list. Lance Lynn is the call-up to take, uh, take K-Max next start for the time being. Who's going to fill Holiday's role in the meantime? I, sorry, John Jay, I presume, will get the majority of the bats. Who's going to fill Holiday's, uh, Holiday's slot? I would expect, and I haven't, you know, haven't seen anything official or at all. But I would expect that Mark Hamilton would get the call back up to go and be the bench bat, um, while, like you say, Jay and and maybe Alan Craig gets out of the infield and gets back out in the outfield to, to kind of take some of those spots, depending on what every lineup Tony puts out that day. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that's probably who's going to take that spot. But it's it's uh, Holiday's whole thing is a pretty interesting situation. <laughs> interesting, interesting. That's a good way of putting it, and really prompts me uh, towards something else that I wanted to tell the folks listening that the good majority of them probably already know about Daniel, but please take this as a compliment, Daniel. Daniel has to be one of the most optimistic and and uh, good-natured Cardinal fans that I've seen. Very rarely will you see... Uh, <laughs> And, and I just bring this up because interesting is, is one way of describing the holiday situation. I've seen a lot of other ways uh, of describing it on Twitter today. How about you? Yeah, there's been a, a few things. Uh, of course, it kind of broke a little bit late in the day, and so I haven't seen all the responses. But um, there are some at least um, questioning fans out there. Questioning. another Another excellent way of putting it. Josh, uh, what about you? I not to uh, not to put you on the spot because I, I know we're uh, we're supposed to be putting Daniel on the spot, but Hamilton, I've seen uh, I've seen Clayto's name tossed around. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, to tell you the truth, because of the fact two things they said. They're kind of the posturing that. Mosellock about not putting Holiday on the DL today, but also saying that he's not 100% unable to play. It's just kind of a real weird situation. That's strange and weird are the two that I keep tossing around. I know Daniel's being diplomatic by saying interesting, and <laughs> I'm very curious to see if they make a move to add somebody to the 40-man tomorrow or if there's going to be more than just one move before tomorrow's game. So I, I'll be curious to see just exactly how this all shakes out. But like Daniel mentioned, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Hamilton, but I'm, I'm actually kind of hoping they change things up a little bit. Hey, June, let's, let's, uh, let's get a couple fresh faces in there and not that Hamilton isn't, isn't worth it, but I, I would uh, prefer to see it possibly another outfielder or, kind of go with maybe more of an unconventional thing because I don't really see Lance Lynn sticking around more than probably his one start either. Well, it might be argued that what you or most folks would consider unconventional is old hat for Tony LaRusa. So, for instance, they do call up True. a Clayto and carry 13, 14, 18 pitchers for two weeks. That's kind of old hat for Cardinal fans and, and Tony alike. So 
I want to switch gears for a second and, and come back to you, Daniel. And Daniel, we've known each other for long enough now uh, that uh, you know that I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist, or I'm subject to conspiracy theories from time to time. And uh, despite my concession that he has been what the Cardinals have needed in the starting rotation. Going into this season, I was also very skeptical of Kyle McClellan as a starter. So, put the two together. Where would you place the odds of Lance Lynn, quote-unquote, Wally Pipping, Kyle McClellan, and we see McClellan come back from the disabled list into the bullpen to bolster a much maligned group It's a plausible uh, conspiracy theory. I don't think I'd give it real good odds, 20 or 30%. I don't know that Lance Lynn is going to come in and just take the world by storm. And I think that was what would have to happen for McClellan not to go back into the rotation, at least initially when he comes back up uh, or when he gets healthy. Um, You know, if Lynn comes out and has some solid outings, and and we're assuming he's going to have more than one, um, then – Perhaps then if McClellan does start to slump, if this seven-run uh, game wasn't completely due to the hit problem, um, then maybe they start to rearrange the bullpen so that McClellan slides back in and gets you know doesn't overtax his arm and, and Lynn comes back up. But I think originally there, and, and the mindset of this team, you know how it is. If Tony's got something in his head, he's going to do it no matter if it's reasonable or not. And so right now I think he has McClellan as starter in his mind, and so they're going to put him back in that role. But, you know, I think that it's a possibility that he won't last a year that way. For what it's worth, I don't foresee this actually coming to pass either. Um, and I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but I'm kind of with you. I don't see Lance Lynn being – Lance Lynn's – is certainly not a guy who has number one, number two, maybe even number three starter uh, type of potential, at least in my mind and from what I've read, what I've seen of him. I think that, and this is not meant as a uh, this is not meant as a bad comparison, although I know some folks might take it this way. I see Lynn being. The comparison I always get in my mind for Lynn is he can be the good Jeff Supon. He's never going to win 20 games. In a in a good year, you might hope for him to go 15 and 10, but he's always going to throw 210 innings. And there's clearly value in that. Uh, I just, for whatever reason, I can't get out of my head that comparison. I could I could go with that. I mean, I think you're right. From what I know of Lynn, and I'm not a, a minors expert by any means, but just knowing what is filtered up, that you're right. He's not going to be this overpowering guy. I mean, he may have a game or two here and there where he can strike out a lot of guys, but he's not going to be that guy. And when you're when you are a control and command type pitcher, you know the good Jeff Supon is is one of the higher ratings you can get. Uh, unless you happen to be, you know, a Hall of Famer like Greg Maddox. I mean, there's not a whole lot of range between those two things. So um, I could I could see that, and I agree. He's going to have some value, um, but I don't know if for 2011 he has more value than Kyle McClellan in the rotation. 
um, that's that's what they're going to have to weigh. Um, or if they have, you know, his his value plus McClellan in the bullpen is worth McClellan as a starter versus whoever else is in the bullpen. Um, those are things that are going to get weighed, and it, and it may be where you know the trade deadline means this team looks a little differently, um, and that that'll be something to look at. No doubt, no doubt. Well, let's keep uh, let's keep the subject on the starting rotation. I know Josh was has been at the ready to uh, beat somebody up with Chris Carpenter questions, and unfortunately, Daniel, I think you might be the guy. Well, you know, just just to throw out there too, uh, you guys had a great topic uh, with McClellan. I think a lot of that's going to be with where the team is sitting bullpen wise when he's due to come back off the disabled list. And as Daniel points out, and Nick, you and I have talked about it as well. If McClellan's in the starting rotation, I I don't believe the Cardinals make a move to get another starter. But if he's in the bullpen and, and Lance Lynn is your quote unquote fifth guy, then that would make a lot of sense, you know, strengthen the bullpen and if you can go grab a guy, strengthen the rotation at the same time. As far as Carpenter, that is one of the he, – he is just having one of the oddest seasons. And, and really what I want to hit on, Nick, and, and throw this out for you, Daniel, is your post on the site on about not so much Carpenter's just his peripherals, but the fact that he uh, – he just, for, for some reason, the games that I've seen, and from all intents and purposes, he just, it, it just, to me anyway, you know, and, and not exactly a, a knowledgeable source, but that's why I'm, I'm leaning on you two, is it just seems like something's missing this year. And I don't, and I'm, I'm curious, Daniel, if, if you've, you know, maybe been able to pinpoint a little bit more than I have as if you notice any difference this year in Chris Carpenter as opposed to the last few years? Well, it's obvious. He's just forgotten how to win. He's going to have to learn how to win. Uh, isn't that the, the talking point? Uh, no, I, I don't know. I think what, what we've got with Carpenter is he's just a little bit less dominant than he used to be. And he's gotten some bad luck. I mean, obviously he should have won opening day. Um, he's won at least another couple of games the bullpen has blown. He's pitched a couple of games where the offense hasn't hasn't hit, but he's also given up you know twice this year, given up seven runs in a ball game. Um, we're not going to get classic Carp every time out. Um, we've just got to hope that that the bats will hit in the games that he can you know, he gives up one or two runs. Um, but he's, he's he's had some bad luck, and that's really the biggest reason that his win loss record is the way it is. But you know. He's still obviously a very valuable pitcher, and he's keeping the team in the ball game for most of the part. And that's really all I think you can ask for a guy like this. I mean, you'd like him to be the ace that he used to be, but I just think age and, and everything is catching up to him, and he's not going to be that guy, at least not every time out. Daniel, I'm going to throw it over to Nick here because I know he's got to he's got to take on this as well. The other thing that we've been bantering back and forth about is with what you've just said. If, if you're the Cardinals, what do you do with the the option that Carpenter's got sitting out there for next year? That's, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, it was pretty clear that you tried to negotiate and, and stretch that over two years or something of that nature. Um, I guess it really kind of depends on, on how things go the rest of the year. If he, 
continues to pitch like he's pitching now, I think that's still a very viable option is to, you know, see if he can spread most of that money over two years because he's still got enough in the tank. But if he's going to be a little bit more erratic down the stretch, it may be where you just pick up the option and, and just go with one more run at him. Um, I don't think there's any any idea that they won't pick it up, at least pick it up. Um, you know, I think Carpenter will be on this team next year. I just don't know. Uh, I don't see a way that they just let him go loose at the end of the year or if they, unless he just doesn't look like he has anything left. Nick, I know you got a take on this. I tend to agree that he'll be with the team, but I, I still can't help but think that either A, he's got to be smart enough to know that this really is going to sound like a generalization on my part that might sound a bit arrogant, but in my opinion, if he continues to pitch the way that he has this year, regardless of bad luck, a couple of bad outings, his uh, his peripherals are, are not good. He's, he's requiring more pitches to get outs than ever. Um, he's not getting ground balls at the same rate that he has when he was dominant carp that we all knew. He has to know that he's not a guy who could get $15 million on the open market in my opinion. Obviously, I'm not a general manager. You know, maybe uh maybe somebody would be willing to give him that just to uh just to be that veteran guy in the clubhouse and and I, I don't know, head up the Pirates rotation, but I don't think he's going to get 15 million bucks a year on the open market. So, that being said, despite the gruff exterior and and the hard nosed attitude that that we've all come to know from Carp. I think he is and maybe has even articulated this. I think he is grateful for what the Cardinals organization has done for him, picking him up off the scrap heap after he was hurt in Toronto, um giving him the extension uh even though he was fighting through some more injury issues. I think the org's been really good to him, and I think he knows it. And so hopefully that translates on the back end to, like Daniel said, and like I've said for a long time, that uh, they'll be able to work something out with him that, okay, we're not going to pick up your option, uh, but we do want you to stick around for another year, so let's talk about renegotiating for two years 16. I think that would be pretty palatable for both parties, in my opinion. Um, again, it all depends on what he thinks he can get, what his agent thinks he can get. Uh, I, I don't recall, I don't remember off the top of my head what the buyout for that option is. It, it may be more valuable to him to take the buyout from the Cardinals and go sign for 5 or $6 million somewhere else. Again, I think the loyalty in Carp dictates that he won't do that. But who knows? And and for that matter, it depends on what role he may have with next year's team. For crying out loud, the way Shelby Miller's moving up, that kid might be the ace next year, for all we know. Um, there may not be a spot in the rotation for him. And then it's, well, Carp, do you want to be a, do you want to take Miguel Batista's spot? Um. Obviously, I'm I'm getting off track here and and being a little facetious, so. Uh, 
I don't know. Daniel, do you want to wrap this up for me? I've started rambling a bit. Well, I, you know, I think we had, you know, we had Matthew Leach on the, the UCB show at the beginning of the year, and he indicated that Carpenter really likes the organization and he really feels at home there. So I, I don't think, like you said, I don't think he's going to go out and, and see if he can chase every last dollar. Um, if the organization comes to him with a reasonable proposal, I would expect that he would take it. And I think, you know, two years, 16 is probably reasonable. I want to say the buyout's only like two or three million. So it's not like it could, you know, you know, I take that and then make his money somewhere else. Um, there's always crazy general managers that would like to pay for the name. And so maybe he could, but I, I don't think that he'll try that. I think that they'll come to some sort of agreement. Um, but like you say, you know, where do you put him? I mean, it's a possibility that uh, at least by the middle of next year, Shelby Miller's ready to at least take his spot in the rotation, and all five spots are taken up because Wainwright's coming back as well. Um, he could make for some interesting pitching positions next year. Well, now that we've uh, discussed both Josh and I's pet topics for the evening, uh, we wanted to throw it over to Daniel and, and uh, to uh, close out our time with him. Daniel, what's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? Well, you know, honestly, that it's, it, it will segue then, and we'll talk a little bit about not only Shelby Miller, but some of the, the fast-rising prospects in the organization, and, and I'm talking about, you know, Zach Cox and then probably Carlos Martinez. Um, do you think it's reasonable? Do you think it's reasonable to see a Shelby Miller in St. Louis before September of next year. Um, do we need to see him before then? Um, just, I guess just your general thoughts on him and, and some of the other guys coming up. Josh? I I have a hard time thinking that the Cardinals are going to rush their, their ace number one guy, but I think a lot of that will remain to be seen on two main factors. If the Cardinals turn the page with number five, then, you know, anything's fair game after that. Uh, depending on which direction the team decides to go in, you know, is, is Holiday your star? Is that is that enough? Do you look to try to make a splash? With Wainwright coming back midseason, we hope. Um, man, I, I would... I would personally find it very hard to see Miller over Cox reaching the major leagues first, but I think that's just, I just have a strong feeling that they're going to want to give him as much time at AAA. But, you know, like you both have said, if he's just mowing them down and he just did basically what he did to the, you know, which again, too, I, I've seen a lot of the reports and I've, I've heard the pros and cons about the Florida State League. If he if he has just an outstanding stretch here at Springfield, it is possible that he ends the year at Memphis. And to me, I think the other big factor, the other elephant in the room, if you will, is uh, who's managing the club next year. Nick? I'm slightly confused by your last comment because I think that uh, I think that when he does reach the bigs, I think Shelby's going to be nails regardless of who's managing. Um, 
I guess, uh, to your point, if if it's a concern about trusting young guys, fair enough. Um, I can't. You referenced Miller versus Cox, and to me, there's a huge, huge gulf there between contracts. Cox signed on with a major league deal, and I think, even though the club wouldn't admit it, and and I'm sure it's not really in their minds, his clock is ticking. He's already accruing service time. He's on a major league deal. So the sooner they can get him to the bigs, great. Um, I don't think that necessarily means they're rushing him, but he's also pro- he also probably came to them a little more polished than Miller. It's important to remember, Shelby Miller's still a young kid. I mean, really, he's got time. It's uh, I saw him pitching at uh, at Kane County a couple times last year um, in the Midwest League, and he was surviving there almost exclusively on fastballs and just mowing guys down, which you can do in that league. Um I think it's great that he went to Palm Beach in the Florida State League and with the off-season development and the spring development on his secondary pitches has proceeded to make his way through that league. Now he goes to the Texas League, which is a little bit more of a hitter's league. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him there. Uh, and, uh, and not only that, but how much they want to push him. It's important to remember he was on a six-man rotation uh, in Palm Beach, and I believe in Quad Cities as well, uh, just because they want to keep his pitch count down, blah, blah, blah. Hey, he's the new Fabergé egg. He he is it. And I don't think they're going to rush him. I don't think we'll see him before September next year, particularly because, as I started, say, as I started this ramble saying, there are contract issues at stake. Zach Cox, get him to the big leagues as quickly as you can. Miller, you bring him up in May of next year, you start running into issues with a Super 2, and et cetera, et cetera. Not that I think the organization is going to play games if he's ready, and I'm doing a lot of backtracking here. Regardless, it's a consideration. It's a real consideration that the sooner you start his clock, the sooner he's costing you money. And I don't think that there are going to be concerns about it. Pujols will be locked in or not locked in by the time Shelby's ready. And um, so I think w- when he is ready, which I could foresee, I think I would be surprised if he didn't, if he moved to Memphis before the end of this season. I think that. Uh, they're going to push him by moving him up to Springfield. Like I said, Texas League, the Hitters League, especially the park. Um, and I think uh, they're going to see what he's got there. What may happen is come end of the season, if Memphis finds themselves in the playoffs again, we may see Miller moved up for the playoffs like uh, like Garcia was in his rehab last year, like Pujols was when he was going through the minors and let him pitch in Memphis 
uh, at the end of the season, see what he's got. Maybe he can win a job in spring next year. Highly unlikely, in my opinion. Like I said, I'd be surprised if he didn't spend at least a full year in Memphis. Daniel, I'm going to throw it to you. I, I, I wasn't, Nick, I wasn't throwing that out there about the, uh, the, the Larissa comment because of his, I, I'm actually over the whole Larissa not trusting the young guys. He honestly didn't really have much of a choice. He has to now. My my whole thing, I, I'm still not certain if he's the manager coming back and if they just so happen to look to the minor league ranks. This was something we were kind of talking about uh, on Monday. And uh, Dane and I on the way back to the train also were kind of bringing up the point if they kind of look internally, if you get a guy, Pop Warner, or, you know, if Shelby makes it up to the AAA level this year and they grab the AAA coach, that might be, you know, depending on who the your your staff is, I think that might actually have some take on Shelby's development. But, you know, it remains to be seen if, uh, like you said, the Cardinals want to rush him or not. But, Daniel, this is your question, man, and we've thrown a lot at you. What do you think? Well, I think, I think, you know, of course I've answered it uh, very well. Um, but, I, and I agree, I think I'd be a little surprised if the organization stayed in-house to make uh, a managerial decision. Um, it's very tough. It's going to be tough to replace a Tony La Russa because he's been here so long, and that may be the way they do it. But they also may want to try to reach out and get maybe a, a, a little bit bigger name to be able to do that. But, again, if, if – if the 2012 team is going to have, you know, or or in the, not maybe not on the roster opening day, but, but coming up, uh, people like Cox and Miller and and some of these other guys that have gone through the minor league system, it may be a good idea to bring up a manager that they're familiar with, um, that has had some success with them, and and put him in that role and give him the best chance to succeed. Um, yeah, I don't, you never know which way the, the organization will go that with that and. Um, it, that's something. I mean, there's so many different things that can that can swirl around in this off season. Um, a lot of which I think reside on the back of number five and the domino that that goes with. Um, and so it, it kind of, I think to some degree, the organization is a little bit of a holding pattern. You know, I don't know that they'll make a whole lot of moves at the at the deadline, um, but the 2012 team may be a whole lot different than the 2011 one. Well, there's no doubt about that, and and maybe not as much. Obviously, exciting for us, but obviously more so for the future Redbirds guys. Uh, It's certainly fun to have guys like that to talk about, which hasn't always been the case in recent years for the Cardinals. Now, Nick, you make a great point, though. It, It is, once again... After a lot of those years where the, the Cardinals didn't seem to have any prospects, it, it, it's a lot more fun looking at some of them box scores now, seeing uh, the amazing stats that some of these uh, the, the young guys are putting up at all across all the levels. Our guest for episode 2.0 has been Daniel Shoptaw from C70 at the Bat. That's cardinal70.com. Uh, Daniel is also the founder of the United Cardinal Bloggers and the Baseball Bloggers Alliance. Uh, Daniel, anything that you wanted to 
tell our listeners about real quickly? No, I don't. I don't know of anything. I think we've got some stuff. I've got something that for the UCB that I think will be very interesting if I can get it off the ground. Um, in which case, maybe we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that when it happens. But uh, you know, just keep reading the, the UCB blogs because we have so many very quality writers out there that will cover games and and decisions and all that at, at such a, a high level that it it really it can inform and entertain at the same time, and that's not easy to do. Very well put, and, and as always, the Pitchers Hit 8th podcast leaves you with some intrigue. Daniel has a mystery project that uh, <laughs> you you heard it here first. Um, <laughs> Daniel, thanks for joining us this evening. It's always good to talk ball with you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Daniel. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Just so you know, I just read it. Clado is good. If uh, something happens tonight to Lynn, uh, their other new call up is their long man until he gets replaced by Boggs. Well, Clado's been starting. Yeah, I know, but welcome to the Bigs, huh? Yeah, welcome to the Bigs. I mean. <laughs> I forget who I was. I was going back and forth with somebody on Twitter the other day about uh, Clado and how he never made it out of single A ball with Seattle, and and he's another guy eerily reminiscent of what was going on with Freeze when they traded Jim oh, Edmonds yeah. for him. And I thought, you know, gosh, I, obviously he's been snake bitten with the injury bug, and and knock on wood. I don't want to jump to too many conclusions, but Freeze has been pretty darn good since they got him. Oh, no, and and maybe just uh, an inefficiency in Seattle's program that they didn't know what they had with the guy, and the Cardinals scoop him up, and he turns out to be something really sweet. Oh, um, no, for sure. Obviously, I'm, I'm kind of reaching there a little bit, but you never know. So he's been stretching out as a starter. They call him up. He's been wildly more successful with the Cardinals than he ever was in Seattle's organization. So I don't know what they've done with the guy to to make him that way. But it's I don't know. I I'm on the fence with it because I'm kind of excited seeing all these young guys coming up. It's di- it's different than what we're used to. It's way different. Way different. <laughs> totally different. I mean. Think about the alternative. They call up yeah. Lynn to take McClellan's start. They call and up Clado to fill to fill Holiday's spot. They could have just as well have signed Jeff Supon or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think in those terms, the organization is making some huge steps in terms of being self-sufficient, and I think they have to continue to prove that they can do that, obviously, particularly if they're going to pay Albert big bucks. But... Um, so that's Clado's deal, and, and for anybody interested, go to stltoday.com. Derek Gould today, which is Thursday, uh, had a great piece, Who is Michael Clado? Uh, worth reading to catch up on him, even if it's doing so just in time for him to get sent back down. But, Josh, I want to talk about Lance Lynn a little bit. Um, 
we talked about him uh, a little with Daniel previously, and and again, I, I want to reiterate that it wasn't meant to be a shot at the guy, but I, I do see him projecting as a good a good day's Jeff Supon. Um, and I don't mean that to, to be a bad thing. I, I think that's a great thing. It's something that's certainly valuable to the Cardinals. Can he be successful right away, though? If Kyle McClellan can be successful after, I guess, not having started a game in quite a few different years, I like throwing a guy like Lance Lynn in there because I can't believe that the Cardinals would be the only team that would struggle against a guy that is a rookie or making his major league debut or the fact that they're putting Lance Lynn in there in kind of a good situation for him. The Giants offense hasn't exactly been lighting up the lead. True. So true. And that's a great observation too about if he's not overexposed and, and this is just a short term solution until McClellan can come back or until Boggs can come back up and make a spot start or two. That's a really great observation, I think, that Obviously, the league's hitters won't be up to par on his stuff. They won't know exactly what he brings to the table. And to be fair, as we have discussed on a few occasions too, McClellan, while the win-loss record is great, he hasn't exactly been lighting up the world um, on his own merits. He's gotten a lot of run support and uh, and gotten out of a couple jams, luckily. Um, so good points, I think, all around. It, it concerns me a little bit. I, I haven't had a lot of time to read everything, but I understand that he is making the start on short rest. That's true. Um, and, and that's a bit odd as much as the organization has tended to, uh, I, I don't want to use the term baby uh, because it seems really derogatory for these guys, but uh, he's been... They've tended to... Uh, to handle care, I guess, is, is the best way that I could put it. So, um, interesting decision nonetheless, but hopefully things go well for, for him. Uh, I'm excited, like I said, to see the organization continue to move forward with organizational players, developmental guys that came up through the system. Um, one of those guys who didn't come up through the system and many are clamoring to be replaced by someone else who is from the system. Um, I think you know where I'm going with this. Uh, Mr. Seesaw, oh. Mr. Seesaw, the last couple of days. Uh, uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad the beard's gone, but... Uh, well, you know, <laughs> it's just gotten to the point where when he goes out and pitches, I, I don't even really feel emotion for him in terms of anger or disappointment as the game result comes. I, I just kind of, come on, Frankie, you know, be successful for once. And for, for crying out loud, Tuesday night was that. And, and I was happy for him, and it was great. I wasn't at the point of mistaking it for Franklin turning any sort of corner that I think a lot of people are eager to jump on that bandwagon. I was happy for him. 
he did a great job getting his three outs, struck out the side for crying out loud. Um, and and there's certainly no reason it couldn't have been a stepping stone to continued success. And some would argue that with a little bit better management or having not gone into extra innings, he might have been able to use it as a stepping stone because he was used for multiple innings and a lot of pitches again last night. But are we beyond the point of being able to turn the corner? Um, and here's your here's the dilemma: if you're uh, Tony La Russa, Dave Duncan, or or the Cardinals, is you keep running him out there, and and they did just about every kind of situation they could with him, gave him time off, put him in the third inning or whatever they did the first time they and they grand, gradually worked his way up but I it's become abundantly clear that Ryan Franklin doesn't have the future with the Cardinals as a late inning option where it gets tricky is the way the Cardinals have done things this year St. Louis is running out of other options if Salas and Sanchez don't become their answer because I honestly don't feel that going outside of the organization in a trade is the answer. I just get a little worried that they're holding out hope that Franklin can take back that role and we both know I don't that's not an option. That's not a good option anyway. If anybody within the organization truly believes that Ryan Franklin is going to be the closer again this year, I'm worried for the Cardinals organization. <laughs> Frank, would that surprise? Would that really surprise you though? After what we've seen with Izzy and you know a few other options though? Yeah, but Izzy was hurt. I just you know, especially the way they talk. There was a there was a lot of. Uh, I found it really odd and, and almost uncomfortable. There was a lot of talk about justice after Franklin's scoreless inning Tuesday night. Oh, it's justice because he kept working hard and he finally got a scoreless inning, or he, he was he was finally quote unquote dominant over like the seven and eight and nine hitters of a beat up San Francisco lineup. Um, I thought that was I thought that was very. If I were Franklin, it would have been unsettling to me because they're talking about him like he's already half dead, in my yeah. opinion. So I, I should say that it nothing nothing surprises me with the Cardinals anymore, uh, particularly so long as Tony's around. But uh, I'd be really, really shocked if there's anybody that truly believes that Franklin can reassume that role. Um, however, it does bring up a good point that I've been thinking about uh, since trying to keep my eyes open to watch the end of the game last night and, and something you started to go down the path on. Um, we've already seen, we've seen it with Boggs, we've seen it with Eduardo Sanchez. Are we going to see Fernando Salas now have the rug yanked out from under him because of one blown save? Oh... 
And if and so, if so, where oh. do you turn next? <laughs> well, see, that's what worries me, and that's uh, my initial thought when I saw that Salas was being replaced by Franklin. I immediately wanted to know: wasn't there any other option? You know, was that was that the best you could do in a tie game? Well, and this is gonna make this is gonna make me sound really pandering to the organization, maybe, but. Uh, you know how Tony's been. <laughs> it's strange. I find myself anymore, rather than getting upset with certain moves or certain lineups or bringing in a certain pitcher, I've gotten to this to this place in my cardinal fandom, I guess you'd say, uh, of of Zen, where. A certain decision is made or a certain move is made, and I just say to myself, well, duh, what else would Tony do? <laughs> so last night, they save gets blown. They go into extra innings. Of course, Tony's planning for a 20-inning marathon. So let's bring in Franklin. I don't want to use my guy who I'm eventually going to want to get the save. I'm not mm-hmm. going to use my best guy up. And again, this is another argument that's gone on for a long time that Closers are always saved for the ninth inning rather than being used in the highest leverage situations where you really need outs. You bring in your closer then versus the ninth inning. Um, And so, of course, he's not going to do that. And then if you get to the 16th inning and all you've got left is Franklin, well, you know, who's going to blame you at that point if he goes out there and tanks it? You know, maybe the fact that he's still on the roster you can complain about but at that stage you remember when we had the live blog for the Mets game last year that went eight hours or whatever it was at some point it's just like well somebody just win yeah you kind of just appreciate the game for what it was and at some point somebody's gonna make a mistake and it's gonna be over and that's the deal so that's how you and I would think but in terms of last night's game, Franklin comes in, I, th- I think to myself, self, this is not what I would do in this situation, but I've watched enough Tony La Russa Cardinals baseball to know that this is exactly what Tony would do in this situation. Nine times out of ten, that's what Tony would do in that situation. So the move I'm not upset about, it's just, well, you know, like I said, I, I... it's it's... It could I, I be argued why is he why is that an available option in the first place? Well, after reading a little bit more today and seeing, I, I guess this is what Tony's thinking. If possible, and I guess if necessary in a tie game, Franklin can give you more than one inning. Right. I'm oh, yeah. Sure. That, yeah, that's exactly exactly. And that's the reason. That's the reason they brought up Plato, and that's that's eventually, I guess, what they. Envision Boggs as the guy because they don't have that McClellan type, or you know, they've always the Cardinals have always been a team that has had to rely on a guy that can give you more than one inning, maybe more than two innings. And obviously, they don't want Salas to do that anymore. Well, not only that, see Pallet to do that, not only that, but let's also keep in mind that Tony's a huge subscriber to the theory of. There are cert- there are maybe one or two relievers in that bullpen that could go every night. Mm-hmm. 
So Tony's looking ahead. Lance Lynn is starting tonight. Obviously a wild card, especially on short rest. You don't know what you're going to get out of him. So if one guy pitches last night, all of a sudden he's unavailable tonight. So in that case, again, I'm not saying it's right, but if that is what's going through Tony's head and if that's how he's planning to manage tonight's game, then sure, pitching Franklin for multiple innings makes sense because you don't want him anywhere near tonight's game anyway, really. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I could argue with my perception of Tony's managerial <laughs> style all evening. Oh, that could fill multiple shows right there. Oh, yeah. I, hell, I could record that myself. I wouldn't even need you. <laughs> no offense. Self? No offense. Self? I, I could this go is, back. This is what we say. <laughs> I could go back and forth between myself and my uh-huh. uh, my best Tony Larusa impression for solid two hours. Maybe that'll right. be episode 3.0. Uh, Me and my Tony. You and your Tony. Well, let's hope we have uh, some non-injury-related news and some, some good cards of baseball to talk about to fill 3.0 and on up. So Indeed. And perfect segue as we... Uh, exhaust our list of items to talk about uh we are for episode 3.0 and beyond uh really in search of some great uh we'd love local st louis bands uh any other bands any music we want to spice up the film a little bit because we know that y'all are sick of listening to just josh and i talk for the entirety of the show we want to spice things up for you. We want to introduce you to some bands that might not otherwise cross uh, your headphones, your sp- your computer speakers, your iPod, however you listen. So if you know of someone, if you are a member of such a band and would like to hear your music on the Pitchers Hit 8th podcast, by all means, please shoot us an email. Podcast at Pitchers Hit 8th. That's all one word, PitchersHit8th.com. Um Unfortunately, we don't really have a huge royalty budget for said music. But, uh, again, if you're interested in, in getting your music exposed to the uh, two or three folks that listen to this show whenever it is that we publish it, because it's not on a regular basis, obviously, we'd love to hear from you, and, and we'd love to uh, we'd love to sample your music on the show. So, Josh, anything to add to that? It's a good way to get your your music out there and uh as as nick and i have tossed around the idea we we love to have said band on the show at some point indeed indeed we'd be happy to have musical guests likewise now that we've uh given out our special super secret podcast email address for those of you (laughs) listening if you have any questions that for whatever reason you think Josh and I are the appropriate people to answer. Oh, Lord. Good luck there. We will be happy to botch up an answer uh, on the air. And we'll even give you credit for asking us the question. And, uh, and, and we'll answer it to the best of our ability, which may or may not be 
what you're looking for. So once again, that email address is podcast at pitchershiteighth.com. Send us your questions. We'll be more than happy to answer them on the show. Um, With that, Josh, it's been a little while coming, but uh, I I think we can put a button on 2.0. 2.0 is officially in the books, and i got to say it's... uh... It's good to talk some baseball and uh, get away from some of the other other worldly life topics, I guess you could say. Sure. You could say anything. Baseball makes it all better. We're the ones with the microphones. <laughs> Folks, thanks for listening. This has been the Pitchers at 8th Podcast, episode 2.0. Stay tuned. Keep an eye on the site, pitchershiteighth.com. He's Josh. I'm Nick. Thanks for listening. Uh, Keep an eye on the site for episode 3.0, hopefully coming soon.